Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the coaches panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey, friends, look, it's been a while, hasn't it? Around about a week, but we thought we'd get back on and start chatting about some of the biggest fantasy footy issues affecting you and your side with just around about 20 days to go, give or take, uh, until round one gets underway. Joining me on this episode, I've got Kane. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, MJ. We've almost got footy every day, it seems like, at the moment, which is super exciting, and we're not far away from these first Amy community games where we can get all the stats. I know people have been doing centre bounces for us. People have been doing rolls and disposals and things like that in these scratch matches. But I think we all want to see it you know, as it looks in the season proper. Yeah, look, I, I think so too. Look, maybe that's where we'll start. We'll answer some Patreon questions a, a little bit later on in the episode. I want to talk about some of the big injuries that have taken place over the past fortnight, most notably to Braden Bruce, and just hours ago from time of recording in Wayne Miller. We want to talk about those. But but let's talk about these scratch matches, Kane. Um <sighs> I'm seeing teams make a lot, like a lot of big sweeping changes, and we can learn a lot from them. Let's be honest. We can learn a lot, but sometimes can we overdo it with just, I'm seeing footy, I see a player dominate, and I change my team entirely. Can we do a lot of damage with this overreactionary, you know, squad moves? You certainly can, MJ, if you you don't get the right ones, and that's the... That's the hard thing, and that's what makes this game so fun, is that, you know, players do improve. Players do decline. Like, it's not, hey, this guy did this last year, he'll do it again. So the hard part about these practice matches is sifting through it all, I find. Because, as you know, in a, in a regular season, MJ, if someone had an awesome round one and they scored a 150, it doesn't mean they're going to do that for the whole year. Sometimes players that might have been not on our radar at all or some guys that were that we were looking at have these big games And it's just that. It's just a big game. It's just something that happens. Obviously, what we're looking for is a role change, is an improved performance. And and often that comes more from after the game. During the week, it's a coach's comment. It's an assistant coach. It's a fellow teammate saying that X player has really torn it up over the preseason. They've improved in this area. And as a result, they're going to get a better role. We know in these, especially in the intra-club games where it's, you know, the internal stuff, mm. there's double the midfielders, there's double the halfbacks, there's double the players taking kick-ins. We get a bit more of an understanding when we see, you know, games like Melbourne-Richmond or St Kilda-North Melbourne or, you know, West Coast Freo today and all these sorts of things. You can start getting a better understanding because those roles obviously go to what they'll be in the season just by the numbers. Yeah. But even watching those games, there's so many players that roll through. There's so many restrictions on minutes. Even looking at the Melbourne game yesterday, James Jordan started in the first centre bounce of the game. Now, if you were watching that, all of a sudden you'd be quickly Googling who is James Jordan, seeing his price and going, this is a guy I have to keep on my radar. He's had an improved preseason. He's certainly in the mix, but there was no Brayshaw. There was no Viney. And clearly they were trying a few different things. So it's really important just to use that information, but also dig a little bit deeper. You know, look on the club's website. What have they said about this guy prior to this breakout game? 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like I wrote an article just a couple of days ago. It's up online now for everyone else at coachespanel.tv. And it's about these common mistakes that we can make in the preseason. You mentioned overreacting to, to one good scratch game. It, there's this guy that's his ownership has like gone skyrocketed through like 50, 60% doubling um, in, in terms of what he's done. Absolutely massive numbers. I'm referring to Paddy Dow. Here's the thing with, with a thing like Paddy Dow, I'm not going to knock him, okay? This is what I, I want to say, is he had a pretty impressive game. Now, most scratch games are played maybe in first, maybe second gear. They're generally pretty bruise-free. You don't see all that often players crunching in. Rather, it's about structures, more it's about role. It's about trialing these new styles and forced plays and set plays that clubs have been doing. So so there's not a lot of intensity on the ball carrier. So again, that's not a knock on Patty. It's just a comment on what scratch matches are. Here's the thing, and maybe it's a more general um, principle. If Paddy Dow forced his way into your team because of what he did in that one scratch match, you've done one of two things. You've either A, you've overreacted to a hype on one game and you're not waiting for or looking for a trend. Or the second, your preseason research has not been full enough because you've missed something. Generally, that's the case, isn't it, Kane? Where it's either you've missed something in your research and now you're amending because of what you've seen or you're overreacting and you're potentially going to get burnt. Yeah, and that's the hard thing. I think the thing that becomes really problematic, MJ, it's honestly probably more in the premium ranks. Yeah. I feel like in the rookies, like, as you know, Paddy Dow's at a price, especially in Supercoach. You know, he's 200K, yeah, really. It's, it's a rookie. At least, least you at someone of Dow's value. If it, you know, if you see something in a few weeks and you don't want him anymore, it's really easy to, you know, drop down to a genuine rookie in the, you know, the 120, 130K range and keep your structure. Yeah. It's those premiums and the mid prices, especially the premiums that you think can take a jump because those guys are really dangerous. They look really appealing. You think, okay, they can step up, be a top eight mid, be a top six back, top six forward. But when they miss, all of a sudden, you've got a real decision to make. You're going to waste the trade, you know, finding a replacement or do you just let them ride it out and potentially have an inferior player to the rest of the competition? And I think, that's where people have gone wrong in the past. Is yeah. Someone goes massive in the preseason. Again, we've only got one game now, so maybe that will reduce it. But in the past, we saw players, you know, maybe go 120 plus in both their practice games or 100 plus in, you know, 50% time on ground, like can happen. And I think that's when you start restructuring. And now, if you get into the mid price range, which we'll obviously talk about mm. coming up with some of the injuries to some key mid prices and some popular mid prices, that's where all of a sudden your structure can be going absolutely everywhere that you didn't expect. But I feel like when we build before we start seeing games and we don't have much new information, we've more got the back end of last season and we're, you know, maybe got some guys off injury. We settle into a structure pretty comfortably. But it's funny when we start getting this new information, all of a sudden, all that stuff we liked at the back end of last year, we seem to put it by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really true, and you know we're going to see some games next week. There's some more scratch matches that are underway at the moment. We've learnt a lot about a few players. We've seen, interestingly, some roles. And the key thing is, if you've noticed something in an intra club that's followed through to this scratch match, keep to see if that trend is going to continue on for you. So an example is if you've been bullish on Jackson Hately, of course he was going to play. 
plenty of midfield time in an intra-club, as you've said, Kane. They need double everything when they're playing against themselves. Spent a lot of time in the midfield against Port Adelaide. So if you're bullish on Haitley, that's an encouraging trend. And then next week again, if he does that, all of a sudden, that should give you the confidence that the role is there. Because that's the most important thing we're looking for in these preseason games, isn't it, Kane? It's not so much about the scoring. It's not so much even how well they use the ball, although we want to see elements of that. It's where are they playing and how well do they play that role they found themselves locked into. Yeah, and that's why it's so important, MJ, not just to see who's in the side, but most importantly, who's out. Yeah. Are they out long-term or are they out you know, because they wanted to rest this practice game or they're, they're managing their minutes? It's all that sort of stuff because, really, the rookies are going to pick themselves yeah. by the time we get to round one. You know, We know that every club loves to have a, hey, this person's debuting video. We'll probably get that in enough time. I know there's going to be some stress with teams only coming out 24 hours in advance. Yeah, That's going to be tricky. But really, by the time we get to uh, round one, we've seen the scratch match. We'll start getting some some real buzz about, hey, this person's in the team. Um, the rookies can sort of pick themselves, really give or take. The ones that you're taking a risk on, it's the mid-prices yeah. or those guys that are premium that you think have some upside, whether that be to go from you know the eighth best mid to the third best mid or someone who's in the 20 to 30 range in the midfield and you expect you know a big jump. Yeah, Because those are the players that, as I said, right now they look super appealing. They're underpriced. They can match it with the guys above them. But it's one of those things that often it doesn't work out like that. And that's where we get these little little roles. We saw a Ridley tear up the preseason. Mm. It carried through. His intercepting was there. His disposal efficiency was amazing. You add some kickouts, and it's no surprise that he was one of the best backs. And I think that's the type of guy that everyone's looking for, whether it be in defence, you know, midfield, forward, ruck, whatever, that's where we look and go, yep, he's in that role. I've seen it. I've seen it again. Now, again, the hardest thing, MJ, as you know, is pulling the trigger around one, picking them in your team and backing in what you see. Yes. Because unfortunately, as we all know, we've been burnt by these things in the past, but that doesn't mean that we can shy away because at the end of the day, we're all pushing for, you know, top 100, top 1,000 and those type of ranks don't come without taking some chances. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. And again, the good news is we've got a whole nother week of football to go where really the, is the intensity going to be that much more dialed up next week with these Amy Community Series games in contrast to the scratch match this weekend? Look, honestly, probably not, especially some of the more um, around Australia teams that aren't Victorian-based where they are going to be competing against the same opposition for a second week in a row um, and potentially a third if they've done a, an intra-club you know, in, um, earlier in the season as well. So, so we're not going to see much more in intensity. It's all about watching for that role and making sure it's there because you said those cows are going to pop. We're already starting to see some of them emerge already. We, it, It's safe to say Cahill look really solid and has been talked about a lot through the preseason as one of those forward rookies. He's, he's playing in defense, but he's forward eligible. He looks like he's going to be solid. James Rowe from the Crows, again, another with that um, suspension for Tyson Stengel, that need for a smalls there. He's a mature body. He's going to come in. Paddy Dow, you have alluded to. He's a little bit um, more expensive in some of the other formats, but in, say, a Supercoach, he's right around that cheaper range. Staying in Supercoach, Impey and Danaher and Zebel have all shown enough 
to get us through the preseason. There's not much risk there. Lazaro was solid in that match uh, just the other day um, for for North Melbourne. Powell Connor showed a Downey little bit. Well Downey's been Hawthorne. impressive. Was from from them. Campbell and Goulden look good. Um, you know for Sydney in that one. Cox maybe a little bit more expensive for Essendon, but he showed something high more. Again, maybe not the job security that we'd want, but he's there. Young has done enough. Again, more on the pricier side um, from Fremantle for us. So, so these guys are going to fall for us. Rather, it's those mid-price guys that we're really keen on. Unfortunately, we've seen a couple of very popular guys fall over. And because of that, it leaves us in a, an interesting dilemma, Kane. I'm alluding to, of course, Braden Pruce, who went down injured last week. Most recently in the past handful of hours, Wayne Miller for, from the Crows. Both were just pretty easy picks because at that price point, they were going to return value for money and you could pivot to a premium quickly. What should coaches be doing? Now, maybe it's different for each format and different for each line. But should they be looking for a comparable player in that same price point? Should they be looking to go up to a premium or should they drop some of that cash and go get themselves a rookie? Well, I think at this stage of the preseason, MJ, you can't rule anything out. Again, clearly, if you had a player like Miller, you know, you probably liked that he was you know, 20 points under. There was a proven scoring history there. There was a good age. You know, he's a key player in the Crows team when fit. Um, again, you need someone to be ticking similar boxes. I don't think you just go, I had a guy that was around 300K. I need another guy. I think it still has to fit. They have to tick some boxes. And again, you mentioned Hayden Young. He's around the price. Two, two uh, GWS boys and Isaac Cumming and Lockie Ash yeah. um, both have the opportunity for points. Now, whether it comes through, we'd love to have a few looks at them. But I think the main thing in the ruck line is, again, I was already of the belief that, you know, Proust was a risky selection, just, you know, carrying that load. We spoke about in the top 50 how brutal that ruck run was. Mm. And now, conversely, with Proust out, it's only going to make that ruck run easier for Gorn and Grundy in particular, who played in early in the season. Yeah. So for me, um, I've got those two guys in Supercoach um, more or less locked away. I think it would take an injury to one of them to move them. I think Raleigh O'Brien's close yep. in DT. I think, again, that the appeal there is probably more AF just because he's cheaper. And he's got a good early run, yep. And he's got a good early run as well. So I don't think in the ruck line... Um, you start messing around with the Tom Hickeys. Um, if Matt Flynn was to get a game, I wouldn't have the balls to put him on the field. He's an R3, isn't he? Like, it, it I, I think feels so. that way. I think so, MJ. And again, the good thing is we don't usually have an R3. So you can always trade him to that ruck forward later in the season. Yeah. So really, we've lost, a, we've lost Marshall as well. So that takes away some of that coverage that we really like by having a proof. If you, if you really like him, you could swing mm. him in. So I think you've really got to look you know, across your team. We say just because you've lost a mid-pricer in defence doesn't mean you can't replace him with a mid-pricer in the midfield where there seems to be a lot more options. That's right. You could look at, say, a, whether it be a Dyson Heppel or, or referring back to a Jackson Haley, not coming back to him because I think he's the right one. It's rather just the name we alluded to earlier. You could go, all right, well, all of a sudden I'll, I'll change my structure. I'll, I'll drop down and I'll go and move Miller's equivalent player to a Dyson Heppel, who was okay. He was a bit rough and scratchy in that game against Carlton. But to be fair, it's his first vaguely competitive hit out for nearly 12 months. So let, let's give the guy some slack. But that halfback role was there. So maybe it's him. Maybe it's Haley. 
um, and then all of a sudden that either other premium or that cash cow that you were rolling through the mids, go and drop them back to that back line or use something else. You're right. Don't just think so linear about that. Well, I've got an injury in this one line in this one style and therefore I must replace with an identical in that line. No, you've got 28, 29 other spots you can move and flick and change around. Yeah, I think that's the thing, MJ. It has to be the open-mindedness. And maybe, you know, if you've lost a Miller and you feel confident in a Tommy Highmore or someone else that you weren't banking on having in defense, yeah. you've got 200 more K to spend. You know, do you drop a premium down to a cheaper premium because it lets you take your Heppel or your Haightley up? Like, yeah. again, you've got to just play with all of that. I don't want to be telling people, do this, do that. Look at your whole team and think about how is this team going to help me throughout the season? Do I want... You know, that mid-pricer because I think they'll get me off to a quick start. I can move them on quickly. Or do you want, you know what? I want another Uber premium. I want to have one less upgrade throughout the year. You know, I'll back in the rookies to be competitive in the, you know, the 60 range. And if they do that, you know, they're more than close enough to these mid-pricers. So don't close your mind off. Again, we spoke about a guy like Petrarca last year. And we said what he was doing in the preseason was numbers that he hadn't even touched Mm. in his AFL career. Like the ball winning in particular is a stat I find that if someone's ball winning, you know, Petrarca was barely getting over 25 touches and he comes out and has a 37 disposal game. We spoke about, you know, we affirmed it with training the house down. His tank's better. We're going to give him midfield opportunity. We had all that stuff and then we had a performance and especially a performance in the ball winning states because we know if you have a good game and you get a few tackles and a couple goals, it can really inflate you score, yeah. but when you're delivering, when you're racking up the ball like that, and you you haven't been a massive ball winner at AFL level, even though you were as a junior, there's starting to be a few things that are ticking and clicking along. And I think people with Paddy Dow, if he starts having another good game, all of a sudden they'll say, this guy was a ball magnet as a junior. This guy did have you know some super coach game about him. He does have a bit of a burst. Now the challenge is going to be. You know, obviously putting in a key performance now. Yeah. And the hard thing we know as well is the competition. Like Petrarca, there was that clear statement that this is going to be our guy in the midfield. Now, if Carlton came out and said, Dow is playing so well that it's going to be Walsh, Cripps and Dow, you know, 80% of the time, well, that would obviously make me look at, you know, Dow a bit more. Conversely, it would hurt a guy like Zach Williams. So yes. That's the thing you've got to really think of that, if someone's going to get this key role, and often these big boosts, a Jai Simpkin last year, another one, mm. became a regular, a staple of that inside midfield. And we know there's only a few of these key positions. You can't have all 22 guys on the field scoring big. Typically it is, you know, the inside mid. It might be that half back who takes the kick-ins, like a Jake Lloyd or a Lockie mm. Whitfield when he's down. There's only a few of these spots in a team. So that's why it's funny when I see people having... Um, you know, tons of guys thinking they're going to do it. Obviously, some teams can. We know the Giants are one of those teams with big numbers, pies, the Bulldogs. But again, it hurts people in other parts of the ground um, on the flip side as well. Yeah, I think so. And you're right. The, the good news is, is when those opportunities come, whether they be through injuries or others, is it means it creates that space for someone else to turn up. So you talk about that injury that created the Jai Simpkin breakout last year. We look at, say, a... a Wayne Miller opportunity it probably gives someone like a Will Hamill um, who, who's on the pricier side of a cash cow it probably gives someone like him the opportunity to now make that halfback spot his own 
rather than say the Crows going back to a seedsman in the world where they know what they're going to get. It would make more sense for the club to go, well, we know that we're not finals bound this year and probably not even the year following that as well. Let's get games into these kids that are going to get us there in a period of time. And the same, Bruce is gone. What does it do? You've already mentioned his name. Probably opens up that rock opportunity for us now to have that playing R3. Yes, we might normally use that as kind of our floating vice captaincy, captaincy loophole. But gosh, maybe we look at our M11 as that option to throw that position away a little bit more easily in Dream Team and Supercoach or in AFL Fantasy where you've got that utility position to open up those things. While these injuries and while these concerns and changes and pops do make movements in our side, we can actually make our teams better if we look that little bit more carefully. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, it's always hard. You know, It's an easy decision to have that loophole um, when you don't have that that ruck again it's super super simple it's, it is a hard thing because I have been a proponent of if you can net between 20 points a week by making a better captaincy decision mm. you know sometimes it is worth giving up that cash the hard thing is often after a month we've got a rookie that's not playing anyway yeah. so you know just weighing that up I feel like a guy like Slim though with the long term nature of Bruce's injury it becomes really hard to overlook a guy like that for your bench just because he could play, you know, half the season by that point and be a guy that, that makes us 200K plus. Because we just know if you're a sole ruck, it's really hard to go sub 60. And at that price, he's going to be a massive cash cow. I think that's the key point though, MJ. Yeah. Injury in the preseason, injury to key players and, you know, best 22 players and especially ones that have fantasy-friendly roles, that's where everything can snowball from. I, I think back to when Tom Mitchell went down. And how many of us missed James Warple, a guy yeah. that finished the season red hot with not much time in the midfield. And what did he do? Broke out, won the best and fairest for the club and was one of the best forwards we could have. Yeah. So I think often, you mentioned Simpkin last year, obviously that injury to um, Cunnington was, you know, once the season started, and he was already playing well prior to that. But hey, it certainly affirmed his spot in the team. And if it wasn't for that ankle injury, he was probably a guy that had, you know, comfortably a hundred plus season in Supercoach and was, you know, in the mid nineties in DT. So I think we've really got to think about what do clubs do if an injury falls? What does it mean for the key players in the side? What roles change? Um, because often at this part of the season there is a bit of trial and error that can confuse us about who's playing what role. Yeah. But I think when you get a key injury, which unfortunately, as we know each year, will happen. Yeah. When you're playing this time of year, we didn't think we'd lose a Taranto. You know, no one thinks you're going to lose a Tom Mitchell um, in this preseason time. But we just have to keep open-minded and keep not ruling anyone out. But at the same time, it's that fine line of not reacting to one good game and going, yep, that's my guy. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Look, for me, probably one of the best bits of advice, and again, it's an article up online at coachespanel.tv, one of the best bits of advice I could give you right now as a fantasy coach, and especially if you've found yourself having to make changes because of injuries um, or having, you know, drastic role changes being confirmed that they will not eventuate it is when you find yourself trying to get a, a square peg in a round hole that finds that is your fantasy team, just clear the decks, like, like erase the team, not, not stop playing the game, but just clear the team out and start repicking players Based on the information you have, don't try to fit what in what worked in December or what worked in January. We're now basically in March. 
And you've got a whole bunch of new pieces of information. You've got a whole new understanding of structures. You've seen a few scratch matches. You know what clubs are trying to do now. All of a sudden, you can start building pieces. So where a week ago, you might have forced your structure change. Bruce is out. Therefore, I'm going to go set and forget in your rucks. Awesome. But now your back line looks horrible. Maybe rebuild it from the ground up rather than trying these constant band-aid approaches because at least that way you're going to get a much closer picture of a fuller team rather than a reactionary move followed by another reactionary move followed by another reactionary move. And those are the points, Kane, I find for me, I don't know about for you, I find when I just react and make changes, I actually end up hating how my team looks more. Yeah, I always find that I lose sight of what I'm actually trying to do. I'm trying to build the best team. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes when we react, we go, oh, they can get close enough. They can get close enough. And as I said, you get stuck with these guys that they're not really here nor there. You know, they're not making cash. They're not at the premium levels that we'd like. And they're not actually giving us as much value as we first thought. And I think that is the advantage of what you said, MJ, of clearing the team. You've got a pretty good idea of the rookies by this stage. Yeah. You can at least get them in placeholder positions where you know roughly, hey, obviously the eight on the bench, that's taken care of. I'm probably going to have, you know, maybe two in defense, three in the midfield, and two in the forward line as a rough guard. Yeah. You know, you throw in those couple of mid prices that you mentioned, you know, Zeeble or Danaher, the ones the ones you really fancy. And at this point, you start looking at how much shallow cap you got left and you go, okay, who's the best back? Who do I believe is the best back? Yeah. You know, who do I believe is the best two mids? Who do I believe is the best you know, maybe two rucks and two forwards. And it's amazing when you start having that as a foundation, you know, put price aside, just think, who are they? Who are the best ones that if I had to have it for the whole year, that's who I'd want? Yeah. And it's amazing when you start with at least that as the foundation, it actually becomes pretty easy to make those really only three to four decisions you have to make. Yeah. And I think that's what we can easily just lose sight of with these things. And all of a sudden we wonder... I told myself I wouldn't go a season without, you know, insert name, Jake Lloyd, Max Gorn. These guys that we go, oh, that was just torture. Watching them play week on week, they were amazing. How did I pick, you know, I'm going to pluck a name out last year, Dan Houston. Yeah. You know, I, I believe so much in this guy, and he becomes just neither here nor there. Again, clearly those guys can pop. That does happen. Yeah. But often, often we sacrifice, and that's why I said earlier, in December, we finish the year, we start thinking about the next one, and we go, not gone without him again, not gone without him again. Yep. And what always happens, we get a few games. You know, we, Recency bias is one of the most popular phrases going around for good reason. <laughs> we see that game, and we convince ourselves that, oh, this is definitely going to be the guy that jumps. And again, there is a time and a place yeah. for those guys. I'm not saying you can't do it. But I think the problem is when those guys, instead of being one to two to maybe three of them, you start going, oh, if I sell all my premiums to this sort of level of premium or potential premium, I can have two more premiums. And all of a sudden you go from what you think is 10 premiums to only about five actually that even make it. So I think that's why clearing it out, sticking to that basic, fill the rookies, fill the absolute guns you want all year long. And then with the cash remaining, Again, you're only making three to four decisions. It might be, I'll have another rookie, and then I'll have two premiums in a mid-price. It could be any of those combinations. But yeah, I think if you catch yourself you know, changing your team, 
every hour, every article that you read, you dive back in, You're you in pull trouble. someone out because you're undoing all that research and all that gut feel and stuff you thought of last year and in the preseason, and you've just thrown it away based on one person's opinion who watched the game. And especially if you didn't watch the game yeah, yourself, that becomes extra dangerous. And it's hard to watch all the games. People have people have lives here, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. It's true, though, isn't it? And we all have our favorite fantasy footy experts or people we follow on Twitter that we go, oh, I love when they say this or they... And maybe, you know, someone that's like Kane or Rids or, you know, fellow coach or coaches panelists. But you've got to back in your own work and your own research. If what you ever do and the decisions you make is based off the the loud noise of somebody else, and, and they might be right, but you want to be able to make sure that the players you've picked are the players you've picked for your team and not the players that you felt pressured, either real or perceived, that these are the guys that you've got to get. Because at the end of the day, it's your team. You're the one making the trade. You're the one that's got to make those moves. So that's why for me at this time of year, and and let alone without an injury, but even more so once you've got them, clear the decks and rebuild and start again. Because there's things that have changed in the past two weeks that have now changed everything. Take for an example, you know, it's a question we'll get to soon from one of our Patreons. Patrick Dangerfield. He only played half that scratch match against Collingwood, but he played through the mids the whole time. Now, how much of that is about load management? I would suggest that's exactly what it is. But if you're looking for a passing the eye test, Danger did that in spades. And maybe this time last week you're going, can't start Danger because of that groin injury. But now you find yourself seeing a guy that if he's fitting on the park, he's not just top six forward. He's one of only two or three guys that I think could be the number one forward across all formats. Now you find yourself going, oh, do I squeeze danger in or do I not? And that's where the difficulty of the preseason dilemmas begin. Well, that's it, MJ. Again, I don't think it should have been a shock to anyone that if Dangerfield played, he probably played pretty well. Yeah. You know, he is he's a Brownlow medalist. He is one of the best players in the competition year in and year out. So, again, what were you really basing your decision on? If that, if that article came out and said, um, Paddy Dangerfield played a half, um, he was okay. You know, maybe you wouldn't have him in the team. Mm. But that's the thing about these type of guys. When they've done it year on year, it's, it's not really about how they play. I'm very confident if Paddy Dangerfield's on a football field in 2021 at AFL level, yeah, He's going to be one of the best players on the ground. No it's just, it's just what he is. Now, everyone's concern was the groin, and some of the comments out of Geelong that no one's going to play every game in our team. Yeah. Now, that's that's something that there's no guarantee that anyone will play every game. Now, clearly, you don't want to be starting knowing that someone won't play, but I think one of the when I read into that sort of stuff that was said, it's more of a comment than, you know, a systematic approach that the team's going to go. I'm sure if, you know, Paddy Dangerfield or Tom Stewart or any of the guys that we're looking at in our team mm. were, good, were good to go, they would just play them. So I think there's, again, as you said, it just gets some of those things. You see a result, you see an article, you see a headline and you go, oh, I had Dangerfield in. I'll, I'll throw him straight back in. And again, you, ha- it has, you have to have ownership of your team. I yeah. think that's what was so good about what you said before, MJ, is, even if the person's right that you took the advice from, if you want to really do well at this game year in, year out, and if you want to really enjoy it and understand it, it has to be your decision. Sometimes it's better to be wrong 
and at least learn why you're wrong or maybe rethink your strategy that brought you to that conclusion yeah. as opposed to just taking from us, from anyone else who offers advice, oh, just grab this guy. Because while that may be right, it actually takes some of the enjoyment away if you're just going to refer to someone else for your decisions. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm a big believer of get as much wisdom as you can from from trusted fantasy footy sources, but then you've got to do the work. You've got to make the decisions. You've got to back in your choices. Um, and if you're right, awesome. You're laughing. And if it goes pear-shaped, it's a learning opportunity. Nothing more, nothing less. Learn from it, grow from it, move forward. Really, really simple. All right. Let's get to some of the questions from our from our Patreon supporter group. There's a ton of them to get to. If you want to join our Patreon army, you can follow the links. Plenty of tiers for you to get involved in that are right for you. Coachespanel.tv is the place to go. There is content dropping exclusively. There's video chats. There's cash leagues. Uh, there's team reveals and a bunch of other stuff, including our annual cash cow guide that does not get released publicly, but Patreons only get it. So if you're not sure about the cows in 2021, make sure you become a Patreon. We'll help you out with that. First question uh, for you, though, Kane. This comes from Firkin. He's a super coach question. He said, is there anyone you really want in your side that you currently don't have in there? And to convince you to select them, what do you need for you to see from them in this preseason? Is there anyone like that in your team, man? Oof. It's a great question. It's a really good question. Um, personally, in my team, MJ, uh, there's there's a couple that I really want to have a close look at. It. I've got a massive affinity for Andy Brayshaw in that Fremantle team. Yeah. Uh, the buy is the thing that annoys me. Um, I think if he had another buy, I'd feel a bit more comfortable fitting him in it's just again it's repeating every time we come on but it's such <laughs> a big issue that round 14 by yeah uh, it's huge i think the other one that I'm, I'm looking at is tom stewart and the funny thing is mj i don't know if there's anything he can do i think it's more i'd have to lose one of my other defenders someone else fall over yeah just because he's such a rock and i think he's they're clearly underpriced in that format due to the injury that he had against melbourne where he you know hmm played very little of the game and, and scored poorly. Um, but it's a really, really good question. I I think another one that, again, I want to take on and, and have in my team because I just think he actually has another level is, is Christian Petrarca. Yeah. I, I think that he's the guy, and we speak it of all the time, when you lose a status and you become a sole mid, we know that the bar you have to clear to be you know, a proven gun just goes up that other gear. Clearly, he did it last year. And I just think there's something about this guy where he's going to do it again, especially in the Supercoach format. I just think he's got all the tricks, all the tools. And I think the penny really obviously dropped last year. And I just think he's going to – he knows he knows it now. I think he believed it last year that he could be one of the best midfielders in the competition. But I think he knows it now. And I think we're going to see um, at least another season like last year and potentially – even another little gear because I just think he's got that beautiful super coach game. Yeah, no, I really, really. What about him. you, MJ? I can't let you off the hook. Oh, I hate when people do that for me. Uh, here's it's Clayton Oliver for me. Um, what does he need to do? Needs to convince me 
that he's worth getting in ahead of Lockie Neal. And that's more a salary cap thing than anything else. I, I, like you said about Tom Stewart, I don't think he needs to do anything. Rather, I need to see Neal not be at full strength. I need to see him see him not with that burst of stoppage from speed. I need to see him not with his clean hands. So again, it's it's not anything that Oliver can do that would bump him in and above. I, I suppose the one positive, I saw him take some overhead marks the other day, which he struggled to do a, a fair bit in 2020. But yeah, for me, Clary's the one in super coach. Oh, MJ, there's another one I will add. Okay. Because just because of the, the scoring ceiling, um, would be Luke McDonald. Yeah. Especially in DT. Yeah. Um, I just think the volume game he was getting, we've spoken about it, it was extraordinary. It was up there with the best midfielders. I would love to see what this back setup is. I'd clearly want to see him owning the kickouts mm. in this scratch game, you know, with a, as, as close to full strength north side as they've got. Yeah. And I just want to see how they plan to exit from D50. Are they a team that's going to take the Collingwood approach and not afraid to, to switch back and forth and just, you know, hold the ball a little bit? Yeah. Or are they going to be like Brisbane, where just David Noble's along. obviously come from, and get it out quickly, get it down the line, get it long, and try to take some pressure away, knock it on, you know, use that engine room that's their strength. I know that was the thing that got people offside with Reese Shaw is that he was playing that, you know, slower game. But really, that is their strength MJ, isn't it? When you've got Goldstein, yeah. I know he copped a big knock, but if your engine room's Cunnington, uh, Simpkin, Anderson, Davies, Uniac, yeah. they're good extractors. Yeah, like, they're fine. Nothing wrong with... You know, Play to getting to a neutral decision, a neutral um, part of the ground, use your strengths, drive it forward. Yeah, it might not be pretty, but I think we want to see them competitive again, don't we? Yeah, I think that's a fairly fair call too. All right, Brandon wants to know, it's an AFL fantasy question, but it's got a little bit of a keeper league bent to it. By the way, a brand new episode coming in. That in the next couple of days, myself, Rids, and a couple of other members of the coaches panel, we're going to tell you who we believe are the best 22 and under Keeper League prospects for every single AFL side. So some interesting arguments you're going to get in the next uh, podcast episode that drops. Brandon wants to know, what order would you rate the long-term prospects of the latest draft crop for a deep Keeper League? In particular, I suppose this is the better question. How would you say Will Phillips compares to, say, a Walsh or a Rao? Uh, he'd be a tier below. Yeah. Um, that's that's not obviously much of a jab, really, when you look at those guys scaling all time heights. I, I think I think he's going to be a type of guy, MJ, that it will take probably minimum two three seasons. And this is something I did want to add in, in a keeper is you've got to understand your rules. Yeah. And I know that's the thing with keepers; they're all different. But if you're carrying, let's just say, a low number like ten, and that's it. And you've got, you know, squad of 30, 40, whatever it may be. The importance of kids is dramatically reduced because it's so hard to carry a really good kid unless they pop like a Rowler or a Walsh in their first year. Yeah. And I don't think Phillips is going to be a guy that pops. One, there's a lot ahead of him at the club. We just mentioned how strong the North Indian room is relative to the rest of their team. So I think it's going to take him probably till his third season to even be possibly a fieldable option, which is, you know, 90 plus. Um, I think you need some of those guys to cycle out. Again, if you're in, conversely, if you're in a league that, you know, maybe has some rookie rules, whether that's number of games or number of years in the system, 
by all means, get these type of guys, whether it's Phillips or Powell or, or Campbell, probably my, my three right there, and have a look at them. And again, if you've got 30, if you're playing Dynasty where you keep them all and you can, don't have to make a list change if you don't want, great. But really understand, as we come into redraft time of year, what do you need? You know, are you topping up and just need guys that play every week? Can you take a few flyers? Um, that's the most important thing you're going to keep because if you don't understand your league rules, you can make some awful decisions in your redraft yeah. and not realize them until the end of the season comes and you realize what a spot of bother you're in. Yeah, it's a fair call. Um, Adam wants to know, it's an AFL fantasy question, a girl. Uh, again, take the money out of the equation. Who do you pick between Grundy or Gorn at R1? He's locking O'Brien in at R2. I, I suppose I put the question to you like this then. Who scores more in 2021 in AFL fantasy format, Gorn or Grundy? I'm team Gorn, MJ. Um, obviously, <laughs> interesting context because we know in these games you can't take money out. But yes, if I had to just pick a player in the ruck line yeah. out of those who score more, I'm team Gorn. There's no potential. We saw last year, you know, Darcy Cameron come in, take some time away from Grundy. Clearly, that was a down year for Grundy, which is funny to say when he's still around 115. Yeah. Um, but I just think Gorn's, he's just another tier at the moment. Um, I just think he's so, so, so good. Yeah. Does everything so important to Melbourne. Clearly, the captain. Um, Maybe another tier is a stretch, but I've got him scoring more points. I'll, I'll keep it at that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And even with Luke Jackson taking the odd, you know, centre bounce, it just allows Gorn to to roam free, whether that be up forward, drift down back, wherever he's needed. So yeah, for me, he's got to take a break at some point, doesn't he? MJ? Let's be honest. Even if he's, even if it's the ones when he's off the ground for you know one and a half a quarter. Yeah, that's right. It's really, it's um. It's not going to have much of an impact on his scoring, that's no, for sure. I think I think that's really, really fair. All right, uh, next question from Brandon. Uh, he wants to know, across all formats, Dangerfield, Dunkley, or both? Well, tough one. I'm definitely Dunkley first. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to have Dunkley. Personally, we've spoken about the upside. When I'm looking at a guy like Dunkley, who is coming off what he came off last year with a syndesmosis injury, to play it all, and to score what he did in a horrible role, yeah, I think you're going to get what you pay for at the very worst. So if that's your worst, is you know on the fringe of a top six forward, and the upside is, as I mentioned in a podcast, maybe too over the top, but a guy that could be the number one scorer in a format, irrespective of line, yeah, um, I'm putting that guy in. Now Dangerfield, I'm drawn to him mainly due to his his buy, honestly, MJ. Yeah, have a guy it's from that buy. Uh, proven year in and year out always gives you 20 games really um, I like that and I like the upside and I like the scoring power and even if he gets a small uptick in midfield clock it's only going to be positive things so yeah. um, without seeing your whole team I'd, I'd probably say both yeah I'm the same again it, it's all about what you do with the other 28 spots just not those two but if you can get both and it fits for you go get both you'd, you'd feel very comfortable MJ that you've got both. two of the best four forwards in the league for yeah. nine in Supercoach. Um, oh, yeah. And pretty close, but especially with Rowan Marshall, you know, suffering an injury. I think you're feeling pretty comfy with those two. They're not going to have to move all year. Yeah, I'm the same, man. All right. Um, next question, AFL Fantasy. Stephen wants to know, it's early days, but Zach Williams or Liam Duggan at 
D3. The popular one would say Zach Williams. The unique is absolutely Liam Duggan. Which are you leaning towards, Kane? I like them both. Again, I think you know maybe there's a few people cooling on Williams after Jack Martin's comments of a bit more of a forward split. I think obviously everyone knows that he's very competent coming off the half back. He's you know obviously a great run and carry player and he can link up with some easier possessions in the back half. Yeah, clearly, clearly the midfield roles um, the thing for both these guys. You know. Liam Duggan looks to be benefiting from pretty much the half the West Coast midfield, either currently injured or coming back from an injury. So yes. you've got a kick mark game there. To be honest, I, I almost feel safer with Liam Duggan, as crazy as that is, just knowing what West Coast game style is and what's happened around them with their fellow injuries. Mm. And I just think with Zach Williams' body... Um, I'm just not super, super confident, clearly, that he gets through a whole season unscathed. And we know that the punishment in the midfield it's is great. a lot. We see what it does to a Patrick Cripps, who's got that big frame. You know, if, Obviously, if Zach Williams can use his pace, avoid a lot of this contact, it would be really helpful. Um, I think the appeal for Williams is the ceiling can be there if he gets that midfield role and has a, a few good games. Like He can really push 120-plus. But in an AFL fantasy sense, um, I don't mind taking the more unique option of Liam Duggan because I don't think Zach Williams is going to absolutely belt he won't Liam Duggan you. out of the park. I think I it's going to be, hit, yeah. you know, maybe five points either way. So, you know, we're talking by half the season. You Maybe only ahead or down 50 points. And maybe you just give that slight um, nudge to Duggan just due to you know, health. Yeah, I, I don't think Zach Williams in, in AFL Fantasy or Dream Team is going to hurt people this year. Um, I, I don't think, you know, choosing to, to pass on him or choosing to pick on him, I don't think that's going to define success or failure in your season. I think he's going to be fine um, for the games he plays, whether that be all 22 or just a handful or whatever it looks like. But for me, I, I don't think it's a, a, he's the defining pick in your season. And if you're not sure, go with the player you like more. If that's so still really, not enough, really go with the unique. Day. I don't know. You'd probably have to have one going at 80 and one going at 100, wouldn't you? Yeah, it really hurt. talk about 200 points, um, you know, by mid-season. Could could one of them do that? Sure. definitely say that it seems like Williams would have a better chance to be that 100 guy. I agree, yeah. But it also feels like Duggan could get to 90 pretty easy and play 22. Yeah. Whereas we know just Zach's body and what he's been through and... um, it's hard in a new club. We see a lot of guys pop, but usually that's because there's a clear jump in role. Obviously, yeah. that's what everyone's hoping for. But Williams has still had some pretty key roles at the Giants. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to hurt you much either no. way. Um, but I think they've definitely got both got merit to be considered. And, um, you know, if you wanted to, I don't think you'd go awfully wrong having both in either if you love them. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair call too. All right, Matt wants to know your thoughts on Luke Ryan being this year's Jeremy Howe in terms of being freed up from having to lock down and therefore a possible scoring bump. What's your take on Luke Ryan this year, a player we covered in the 50 most relevant uh, probably about a month or so ago now? Yeah, massive Luke Ryan fan. Um, was one of my favourite players last year in Supercoach. Had him all year at Rocky start and obviously watched him super close as a result. I think he's a top dollar, MJ. Again, yeah. I know people are excited by Hamling, um, you know, Pierce coming back maybe even low, getting Chapman. a little bit more healthy. Yeah. Chapman, obviously, is a more of a rebounding player. But um, Luke Ryan actually benefited from being 
lockdown in a way because yeah. he got so many points in Supercoach off the spoils and the one percenters. Mm. If you watched what he actually did and you watched how his scoring developed throughout the game, he actually benefited from being in those one-on-one situations and either winning them or, you know, at least neutralizing them. So if he starts taking the third, fourth um, player in forward line, he's probably not going to get that same action. I know that obviously freed up, you hope for some more easy contested marks, easy uncontested marks. But if you watched last year, he already got that often for my book. Yeah. So maybe there's a jump in, in DT, but I can't see a jump in Supercoach. For me, he's absolutely top dollar. I can't even really see him having a better season than last year. Like if that was his career year, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's still a triple figure guy. Yeah. But I've got him pegged more um, 100, 100, 102, so as opposed great. to maybe going, you know, 113, 115, which is where you'd want him. Again, because he ticked so many boxes last year, kickouts, intercepts, as I said, the spoils. Um, I just can't see it. I just can't see improvement at all. Yeah, and the difference, I, I suppose, between, say, him and, and say, a Neil, who might not have that improvement, is a, a Neil, he's a captaincy option. option, and even if he draws, drop back that 5, 10, 15 points per game, he's still as good as anybody else you're going to get in that line. Yeah, Whereas if big. Ryan drops back 10, 15 points, all of a sudden he's now a 95 guy, and you'll have four or five other options comfortably in that range. Yeah, again, great pick. Love him in, in draft. I just think... Um, it's not going to be a jump from what he did last year. I just think that was such a good season. All Australian, um, really hard to back up. Really yeah. hard. No, it's fair call. All right, last couple of questions. We'll power them through. Peter wants to know he's considering moving Raul out of his team. It's not a keeper league, don't worry. Raul out of his team for Ben Cunnington. Thoughts? He's like, there's on one hand, he thinks one's the player he loves to love watching. The other's got a bit more cash to generate out of them. How should he be doing this? Peter doesn't leave a format, which obviously makes it hard for us. But what's your take, Kane, when you hear that question initially? Uh, um, my take is to keep Brown in, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, I see a slight bit of value in, in Cunnington. Yeah. Um, I just don't see the big value that maybe other people see, you know, the 20-plus point value. I know he's had you know some solid years, but really, if it's a DT format or DT scoring format, I should say, He's just been an 80s guy. And I just always find that's just an awkward... And again, while he can make some cash, I feel like you can get a little bit more creative, either go up or down, and find someone that will definitely make more cash or someone that at least has um, greater upside. Because, yeah, for me, I've got Cunnington, you know, 80 to 90. And if I had to guess, it's probably 85. Yeah. Um, I just would rather take someone that, if the stars align you know, could be 100 plus, even if I have to, you know, maybe spend a little bit more cash or, or rejig somewhere else. So, you know, I'm not massive on Cunnington um, really anywhere this year. No, neither am I. I think I think if you've got, if you if Raul especially is the one you love to watch more too, that, then that's a really, And there's really some body stuff me. as well, MJ. Yeah. He's, he's had a back injury. He's obviously had a concussion this preseason. He, he plays a really physical game and he's in a North team that, um, They're going to struggle. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a really tough. I know Cunnington is one of those players that doesn't affect him as much because he's so much at the coal face. Um, but everyone likes getting some some easier ball when they can as well. 
Yeah, I, I think you're pretty much on the money with that one, man. All right, last couple of questions. Uh, fellow panellist Rids wants to know suggestions on which rookies should be on the ground across your mid-backs and forward line. Rids, um, get the cash cow guide when it comes out. We'll tell you all the answers through there, my friend. I, I suppose without giving too much away, though, Kane, part of it depends on where we've got cows. Yeah. Kind of influences what your structure and how many you have on field too. Yeah, again, I, I think you know, it's not going to surprise me. I think maybe a Finley McRae, you'd feel pretty comfortable on the field in the forward line. Yeah. Seems like power, wow. you'd feel pretty comfortable. Cahill. Yeah, Cahill, and I think you know, maybe Tommy Highmore. Again, I think there's going to be enough, and I think they're going to present themselves. Campbell, so, um, Zaro. I'll just tell the great Riz just to be a little bit more patient. And they will emerge for him. They will emerge for him. All right. Uh, Peter wants to know, uh, is he better off loading up in the back line or the forward line? He feels like it's harder to find the top tier forwards and to find that quality. Is he right? Is there a right angle or is it, again, cows defining what he should do? To be honest, I'm sort of feeling comfortable with the top two or three in both. Yeah. I'm, I'm finding more after that that, it's a bit of a blanket for me. Like I see some guys, you know, for instance, a Tom Stewart, I go, yep, he's around the mark, but he also doesn't present as much value as a Zach Williams, who I also think if things went right, could go there. So yeah. the way I've sort of played it is, again, it's not going to be a shock to me. We've mentioned these names a hundred times, but I'm really comfortable with Lloyd and Laird. Yeah. I'm really comfortable with Dunkley and Danger. That's sort of been my foundation. I've been really comfortable with Gorn and Grundy. So, um, I'm sort of just waiting to see, MJ, how many cows I get. And as a result, do I have to start fishing in the mid-price pond for some more you know, job security? Mm. Um, but I don't really have much more confidence in any than the other. I think you could make an argument in the forward line that there's six guys really on history that always get it done. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if many come outside of that top six. I think Tom Phillips in DT is probably one. I think we're all waiting for Heaney to finally have that year, but when you've already got Dangerfield, Dunkley, Sidebottom, Zorko, Marshall, Dustin Martin. It's hard to top those six, isn't it? It's hard to top those six. They're all pretty durable. Uh, they've all obviously got great scoring potential, whereas maybe in defence it runs a little bit deeper, and again, we know in defence it's someone that we don't expect someone get, the kick it, get, get the kick-out role. Yeah. You can get a natural jump, but yeah, for me, I'm not. They're pretty balanced. Again, I've just picked the two in each, really, that I feel super comfortable with, um, and I'm just sort of going to leave that be that for now. And maybe you know, there's an underpriced guy like a Williams or a Phillips, depending on the format. Yeah, that help helps in those lines. But um, I don't see one being super um, stacked and the other being super light. Yeah, fair enough. All right, last three questions. Uh, TK's got a couple of them, and then good mate Jordox has got our last one. TK wants to know, are you buying into the momentum and the hype of James Harms and that newly refounded midfield role and him being a nice little stepping stone or even a low-end keeper in our back lines? Well, MJ, I did watch that game you yesterday. Did? He He had the role. There were some names Which... out. Yeah, there was no Viney, there was no Brayshaw. Um, you'd like another look. I think the hard thing with Harms is, is it going to be enough? Yeah. And the hard thing with that is, is what's your line and when do you make that decision? Because if he starts at 90, 
you know, you're probably pretty happy. But if you start tapering off, I just don't see much more than 90. Yeah. Um, so again, it comes back to me. If I've got to say 600,000 to spend, do I want two mid prices? Just let's just, again, use easy names. Let's use Harms and, and Hately. Yep. Or do I want a cow and a premium? Like that's, that's what it comes back to for mine. And, you know, we know that the mid price option can be the one that gives you the quick start. We know if those mid prices hit mm. and they can match a premium, you're laughing. But the hard thing is if they stagnate, now you've, trades two, early. now you've got two players to upgrade as opposed to one. Yeah. So um, we've got to remember too, that these rookies are priced. When we say, you know, harms is 15, 20 underpriced. Just don't forget these rookies are priced in the 20s. Yeah. So if, if you find one that gets a 60, they're 40 points underpriced when That's they're right. 120K plus. So I think often we forget about just how cheap they are. Like they're, they're super cheap. So there's massive value in if you find a good cow. Yeah. Um, big watch on him. I wouldn't be ruling him out. I think the cat's out of the bag in keeper legs. I've done a couple redrafts and everyone's super wise. Yeah, they've picked the up James Harm's been in a pool and I think you know, he's getting drafted with the expectation of a the very least a low eighty. Yeah, yeah. I... So there's not he's not a he's not an under the radar guy. Maybe if you haven't lodged your lists yet, you could try to Snag him. Um, pluck him from someone. But again, now you're the one carrying him in when we know keeper league spots are really hard to manage. So he's not in my team at the moment. He's, you know, he's there and thereabouts. And I think he'll obviously grow with Miller as injury. Yes. But again, as successful as he was in that role previously, um, there's also a guy called Christian Petrarca who's um, taking up a nice piece of that pie in the midfield alongside Clayton Oliver. Yeah, look, he's an AF pick for me. Uh, only. Yeah, I think that's really fair. Yeah, I, I think you can, and and at that point you can take the risk and go. I'm going to give you three weeks, and you need to average X. And by that point of time, you either will be kept or you will be culled. Um, and so just make it really easy for yourself, TK. Last couple will fly through. He also wants to know, Kane, your thoughts on Braden Maynard in Supercoach. Got a nice high floor, um, but was his scoring a product of the shorter quarters? His role was pretty friendly last year. It was a great role, and, and he had a great season. Um, I just think I don't have really strong feelings, MJ, that there's um, massive improvement. Yeah. And when he's already in a position where he's sort of on the fringe of the top six anyway, um, this is the type of guy that I just um, let go by. As I said, I'm super confident in the top two. Uh, happy to pick him up later in the season if he if he dips, if he has a hot start. To be honest, he's probably the guy I'm going to let go by. Yep. Um, I just want to see it again. If he if he proves me wrong and he becomes a 110 guy, so be it. Um, just not a guy that I'm super drawn to. What yeah. about you? Uh, no, I'd go get Sam Doherty over him. Well, that's a guy I think that people are uh, sort of forgetting. Just we, We've spoken about in the past some of the factors that went into Doherty's you know, insane season. Yeah. And I think, and I think Carlton's moved past the reliance on Doherty and that game style. Mm. But that said, Jack, I think we all remember how he started last year. 120-odd in Supercoach over the first five. Yeah. Yeah, so that that is still there. Again, I, I definitely have Doherty ahead of him. Um, again, never going to talk someone out of a guy like Maynard who no. you know, can attack and defend. It's just, I think him up one of those ones that you just go, okay, he, he was okay. He needs he to do it of, again, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he needs to do it again. And also, at that price, though, he needs to go up a gear. Yeah. Like, 
to really can like to be a super super good pick. Um, I just think he's a guy that you can always grab in your upgrades um, and maybe at a cheaper price. Yeah, I think it's fair. All right, Jordox has our last question. He said, "If and it's a big if." Taylor Adams is fit. Is he a lock now that Trelaw is gone? We talked about this with the Trelaw podcast in the 50 Most Relevant in the article. That's online now at coachespanel.tv. Jordock says, uh, for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team anyway, across 2018 to 2020, he averaged 97 from 30 games with Trelaw. But in the same period, he averaged 112 from 18 games where Trelaw was missing. Is he a top eight mid if he's fit? He's, he's around the mark, MJ. I know I've put my flag in the ground on this guy. I guess you have as well because you didn't put him in your top 50. I didn't put him in the 50. I just think there's there's a few factors. Firstly, yes, he could be a top eight mid. The hard thing in this game is he's already priced at that. Uh, yeah. I just I know that he's got improved numbers without Trelaw. Uh, I'm just not feeling like there's another gear. And really, when I'm paying at this level, um, how many times are you going to throw Taylor Adams, the captaincy armband? Again, personally, I'm not going to do it often no. outside of maybe a VC. So, again, could he be top eight? Absolutely. Am I taking the risk? No. Is it because of injury? Partially. Sure. Is it because he's also just coming off another great season? Yes. It's just there's not much value there. And if there's not much value there and, I, and I'm not going to use him as a captaincy option... Then don't pick him, yeah. Yeah, he's just not in my mix. Again, could he come out and go 125? Yes, he does have that type of game. Um, but again, he's going to be one of those guys that I just have to live with if he does that. Um, but yeah, he's not going to make him my team. No, I, look, maybe he's an upgrade target, but for me, no, he's, he's, he's not a starting squad guy for me. I, I don't think in Dream Team and Fantasy he... He's got the potential to be, but I'd, I don't have him right now in my top eight midfielders in that format of the game. That's why, for me, he didn't make my 50 most relevant. If he did, and I think you summed it up beautifully, Kane. If it's not because you think there's value and you don't think he's someone you could put the captaincy option on most weeks, if you can't do those two things, kind of makes your decision for you. Hey, mate, we've had a monster amount of Patreon questions there. Appreciate your today on this episode. Nah, of course, MJ. Anything for the Patreons, they're... They're a great bunch of people. Yeah, they're pretty incredible. If you want to join that Patreon supporter group, you can. All the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. You'll find while you're there a bunch of other articles that are dropping every few days from myself and other members of the Coaches Panel helping you through your preseason for the 2021 fantasy footy year. Speaking of in a few days, another podcast is dropping. We're not talking salary caps. We're talking keeper leagues. Myself, Rids, Jimmy, others of the panel are jumping on board, telling you who we think for every single AFL club is the best 22 and under keeper league prospect. There's some guys that are just real obvious. Well, we've all picked the same bloke. And then there's some others where we've all picked different guys. Who are they? You want to hear it. If you're brand new to Keeper Leagues, maybe you're just doing your list lodgements, maybe you've just done your drafts, there's some guys that are some value that you want to listen out to that podcast episode when that drops. You can get that on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and your Apple Podcasts. Plenty of stuff still coming with 20 days or so left to go in the preseason. You don't want to miss a moment of your preseason with the Coaches Panel helping you every step of the way.